Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. This is a long week of anniversaries of suffering. Monday marked the 20th anniversary of the Rwandan genocide. During a 100-day period, as much as 20% of the country's population, as many as a million Tutsi and moderate Hutu, were massacred by the Hutu majority. Holy Week begins today, Palm Sunday, when Jesus is said to have made a triumphal entry into Jerusalem, greeted with shouts of joy and palm branches laid in the road before him. Four days later, he was arrested by Roman authorities. Five days later, betrayed by those closest to him, he was hanging from a cross. Passover, which begins tomorrow night, is a celebration of the liberation of the Israelites from slavery in ancient Egypt. But before the Exodus, their God visited ten terrible plagues upon their captors. The last was the murder of the innocent firstborn children of the Egyptians. The Israelites were then pursued by the Pharaoh's army and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And one year ago this Tuesday, bombs exploded just down Boylston Street, shattering the exaltation at the Boston Marathon finish line and making of it an unholy war zone of destruction, misery, and death. This is a long week of anniversaries of suffering. And even as we remember and our hearts break once again, we are called to keep before us the heroism and healing and ultimate redemption that followed. Millions of Israelites entered the promised land. The tomb was empty. Rwandan national identity cards no longer have an individual's ethnicity. The Rwandans are now all one people. And Boston emerged, Boston strong. Go ahead, said the great Indian saint, Keshavadas. Go ahead, light your candles, burn your incense, ring your bells, and call out to the gods, but watch out, for the gods will come, and they will fire up their forge and put you on the anvil and beat you and beat you until they turn brass into pure gold. We don't even have to invoke the gods, do we? Everything changes. This is the alchemy of life, a dance of suffering and redemption, suffering and redemption, brass into gold.
Weeping may endure for a night, said the psalmist, but joy cometh in the morning. So how do we live through suffering with a measure of grace? Just one of the beautiful stories being retold at this one-year anniversary of the marathon bombing. Joe and Natalie Stavis, a father-daughter running team, both doctors, had just made it to Hereford Street when all hell broke loose. Instead of running away, they ran toward the mayhem. Imagine. Joe treated hypothermic runners who had been stopped in their tracks. Natalie leapt over a barricade, yelling at the officers who were screaming for her to stop, I'm a doctor, you have to let me through. Sprinting, despite having just run 26 miles, sprinting, she evaded the police who couldn't keep up with her. And at the scene of the second explosion, she performed CPR on one woman and then triaged four other traumatic injuries. She saved four lives. When father and daughter finally found their way back to the hotel, they found Mrs. Stavis in the lobby, utterly bereft, sobbing, and inconsolable. Three hours earlier, she had received a text that said, Joe and Natalie will be crossing the finish line in about a minute or two. And 30 seconds later, the bombs went off. unspeakable suffering, destruction, devastation, death, and unimaginable bravery, grit, and heroism, brass into gold. Dr. Natalie Stavos will run again this year. She says, I'm really excited actually. I wake up every day super excited for this year's Boston Marathon. I think there's going to be so much joy and so much healing. It doesn't make it all better. People were still terrorized and lost limbs and lives and loved ones. What we do to redeem our suffering does not change those facts. But what we do to receive our suffering changes us. And it makes it possible to go on. We can inspire and uplift and uphold one another to go on. At the end of September, 67-year-old Steve Stuckey, beloved abbot of San Francisco Zen Center, was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. On December 15th, he resigned from his position and in his stepping down ceremony, he said in part, I invite all of you to join me in the practice familiar to us all, the practice of acceptance of all that this moment brings. And with this acceptance, 
the positive energy of asking, how can I be helpful? This is the practice of river as compassion, fully participating with people and situations, with the fast-flowing, sometimes surprising, and confusing dance of all our lives. Siusaki continued, to acknowledge all feelings for me now means to accept and re-accept the diagnosis of terminal cancer, a condition that just 12 weeks ago as we say, pulled the rug out from under me. And because this rug is shared with so many others, has rippled and continues to undermine all conditional relationships and sends shockwaves to the depths of many of us. As we know from all our study, the teaching of transiency, transiency is not something abstract, but powerfully knitted into our bones. So my death asks so much of you, he concluded. Please accept this as a teaching for yourself and for our community. Accept with gratitude. This is such an extraordinary teaching on suffering. This invitation to the spiritual practices of asking, how can I be helpful? Of acceptance of all that this moment brings. And of gratitude. I'll close with one of my favorite stories from Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen which she wrote about her work with a 24-year-old bone cancer survivor whose leg had been removed at the hip to save his life. Life's injustice had left him grieving and filled with rage, she said, and with a bitter hatred for well, able-bodied people. After two years of therapy with Dr. Remen, he experienced a profound shift, and he later began to visit others who had suffered severe physical losses. Once he visited a young woman about his own age who was recovering from a bilateral mastectomy. He was wearing running shorts so his prosthetic legs showed, but she was so depressed about the loss of her breasts that she wouldn't even look at him. The radio was playing in her hospital room, and in a last-ditch attempt to engage her, he unstrapped his leg and began dancing around on one leg, snapping his fingers to the music, and finally, he got his, her attention. She looked at him in amazement and then burst out laughing. A year later, he sat down with Dr. Remen to review their work together. In response to her suggestion that he make a picture of his body, he had drawn a vase with a deep crack in it. And in black crayon, he had drawn the crack over and over, grinding his teeth with rage. It had seemed to him that the vase could never hold water. It would never function as a vase again. And now he looked up at Dr. Remen and said, oh, this one isn't finished. Extending the box of crayons, she said, well, why don't you finish it? And he chose a yellow crayon and drew light streaming through the crack. You see here where it's broken, he said putting his finger 
on the crack. This is where the light comes through. Beloved spiritual companions, the gods will fire up their forge and put us on the anvil and turn brass into pure gold. This week, as we walk through the memories of the valley of the shadow of death, let us recall our tremendous capacity to live through suffering with a measure of grace. We are invited to the spiritual practices of acceptance with gratitude and of asking, how can I help? We are called to inspire and uplift and uphold one another to go on. The light comes through the broken places. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine.